Hey dragons, welcome to a very special episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Uh, this is my guest appearance on this week's episode of the Average Geek Show with my buddy Brian over there at the Average Geek Show. Uh, it's gonna be a real short intro. Check it out. It was a lot of fun to hang out with Brian and enjoy. Give him a follow on Twitter and Facebook and a rate and review on uh, iTunes and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye. This is Nerd Overlord Boba Fett, and you're listening to The Average Geek Show. Welcome to episode 88 of The Average Geek Show. My name is Brian, and... Today, I am joined by a very dear friend of mine, Kenny from the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. What's up, Brian? How you doing, man? Uh, you know, it's Saturday. I'm recording with you, so it's a good day all around. It is a good day, and I just got back from Nerd Brunch. Oh, tell me about Nerd Brunch. What was, what was, <laughs> what was going on with that? Nerd Brunch is, uh, I got together with Joe Hogan and his husband, he's from the Geektitude podcast, and then I got together with Mandy and Kevin from the WEC podcast, and we had brunch out in Pasadena. It was wonderful, and it was nerdy. Damn it, I wanted to be there. (laughs) Well, you shouldn't live in San Diego then. Yeah, well, I'm closer to (laughs) Comic-Con, so trade-offs. That's true, trade-offs. So, um, so Kenny, before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Kenny Rotter. I host the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast over at dumbbellsanddragons.com. And it is a it is focused on the intersection of nerd and fitness culture. I talk to nerdy people about their fit habits and fit people about their nerdy habits. And it is a lot of fun. We have had so many different types of people on the show authors to filmmakers directors actors bodybuilders um i actually did have an adult male film star on earlier this year and he was probably one of my most liked episodes a lot of people just really enjoyed what he had to say about life in general not even about his industry so it was a lot of fun i love doing the podcast i do have some Big news about the podcast coming up. I can't say anything right this minute, but by the time this airs, um, we will probably be able to make some news public. If not, when this airs, then shortly after. So I'm very excited about it. There's a lot of stuff going on in the works. And I really look forward to hearing what people have to say about this episode of your show and then about my show. And hopefully people are excited about this news that we're going to be releasing. So no Average Geek Show exclusive here? Unfortunately, not this time. If we were recording this maybe Tuesday night, I could give you the exclusive, but not right now. Oh, damn. So, um, if I'm not mistaken, you also did an interview with Lou Ferrigno. I did. Uh, it it was – I was present when Lou Ferrigno was doing a Q&A at his bodybuilding competition. Um, so, it wasn't an exclusive interview, 
but I was the only person there outside of Lou's people that was actually recording and releasing that Q&A. So uh, my website is the only place where you can hear, you can get some uh, health and fitness tips directly from Lou Ferrigno. Hulk like health and fitness. Hulk like health and fitness. Yes. And his his son, uh, Louie Jr., has actually been a guest on the podcast. And Louie is so great, humble, just one of the hardest working guys that you will ever meet. He's true, genuine superhero material right there, man. Nice. I always find it awesome when you have a great guest on the show and you're like, uh, they're celebrity or, uh, they're the, you know, the spawn of a celebrity. They're going to have a huge ego. And when they're down to earth and so cool and normal, it's always super refreshing. Oh yeah. And to plug, to plug one of my future episodes, not this week, not April 5th, but April 12th. We're going to be releasing an interview that I had with Blake J. Harris, who is the author of the novel Console Wars. Nice. And yeah, if people haven't heard about this book, it is essentially, uh, it goes back to the story of how Sega overtook Nintendo as the market share leader in the late 80s and early 90s. Essentially, in the late 80s, Nintendo owned 95% of the console market share 95 percent and you wouldn't even dream of that nowadays oh i right um well it actually might already exist considering there's like two corporations that own everything (laughs) that's true we all we are all slaves of the coca-cola machine and i know right but um essentially by the mid 90s Sega had 51% of the market share. So not only did they take a huge chunk from Nintendo, but they also became essentially the market leaders and had 51% of the market share. So really a great novel, uh, really a great read. It was great talking to Blake. Again, one of the most humble, hardworking just amazing guys you'll ever meet. And he is just very nice to give me an hour of his time. And and I encourage everyone to check that out uh, next week, April 12th. Absolutely. And uh, we'll share uh, that episode of Dumbbells and Dragons on the Average Geek Show page uh, so you guys can go check it out, um, as well as uh, Kenny's coverage of Lou Ferrigno. Um, that'll all be down in the show notes. Um, and then we'll just share that episode for you guys on the uh, Facebook page. So keep your eyes peeled. Baller. So, uh, Kenny, what do you say we get into some nerding out over the news? Let's do it. All right. So, as you know, I don't know about you, Kenny, but I am a huge Star Wars fan. And I, Go ahead. I'm an average Star Wars fan. What I you, mean, what are you even doing not, here? Well. What was that? What are you even doing here, man? What are you even doing here? I know, right? Like, shame on me for just liking something a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We're nerds. We're supposed to be completely obsessed with stuff. Yeah, it's ride or die, not ride and die. Right? (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, Star Wars just was never my cup of tea. Like, 
I was born in 84. My first taste of Star Wars was really the re-releases in the 90s of the original trilogy. And I was just like, okay, yeah, fine. And then, you know, the Phantom Menace debacle happened. Uh, However, I can say that with Episode 7 and then uh, Rogue One, like super excited like I'm, I'm totally nerding out about those um those have been really great films regardless of whether or not they're in the star wars universe oh no they they definitely are and and i'm glad that uh you gave me that lead in there because disney ceo bob Iger says there is a potential for a new star wars film every year for the next 15 years um, he's quoted as saying, we're starting to talk about what could happen after episode nine, what could be another decade and a half of Star Wars stories. Well, first of all, um, duh. Uh, <laughs> right? That, that's a cash cow. They're going to capitalize on it. No. After Force Awakens uh, was announced and came out and whatever, I was telling people, I was like, the nerds have won. We're getting a new Star Wars movie every year from now into perpetuity. Like, yeah. he sa- he says another 15 years of Star Wars films. It would blow my mind if we go a year without a Star Wars film from now until 20, 30, 40 years from now. Yeah. Barring some huge setback. Like, barring, like, an actor gets injured on set or... You know, CGI takes a while to complete. Well, I mean, even then, I mean, when Harrison Ford was injured on the set of Force Awakens, there was only like six months in in like a filming gap. There wasn't like a whole year. I would think like somebody would have to die during filming for them to have like any kind of major holdup. Yeah. So it's like my my big issue is. I don't want – like, I enjoyed Rogue One, a story about characters we hadn't really seen before. Oh, yeah. I have I have very little interest in Han Solo's origin story. Oh, come on. You, Han Solo is, like, one of the best characters. I agreed, but you're talking about a universe that has – such vast, amazing characters. You don't need to focus on the main ones. You could take a character that's not as well-known, maybe was just in one film for two, three, four minutes, and make an entire story about them. Or you don't even have to... You could make an entire movie on characters we have never met before. Well, that's kind of what they did with Rogue One, is they they took uh, a snippet of what had been mentioned in A New Hope about, you know, achieving or uh, obtaining, excuse me, these Death Star plans, and they built a whole entire movie around it with new characters that gave you the whole backstory of how they got the Death Star, and then they brought it and intertwined it so that it picked up or uh, New Hope picks up right where Rogue One left off. That was amazing. And, and honestly, I liked Rogue One better than Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Understandably so. I'm just saying, they 
they're playing it safe. And I get why they're doing that. Like a Han and Chewie movie uh, is going to have a built-in audience. People are going to go see it no matter what. Personally, I would like to see a... Like a This Is Spinal Tap style movie on (laughs) the Cantina Band. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Just like do something completely like... Who bring in Wes Anderson? Give me a Wes Anderson Cantina Band VH1 behind the music style movie about the Cantina Band. <laughs> I can't. And, I can't see a feature length film about that. It would be great as like a short or maybe something they film for like in Star Wars Land at the Disney parks. But I can't see a feature length film about that. Okay, valid point. Maybe with have have Marvel uh, do something or not Marvel Disney and Star Wars do something with Netflix like they did with a very Murray Christmas or Michael Bolton's Valentine Spectacular. <laughs> yes, like, yes, that I, just I agree. It would be like there's so much there's so many characters and so much intellectual property that you can do pretty much whatever you want, and it's like it's that sort of crazy off the wall thinking that I would like to see more of. Yes, I, I they could do so much with Netflix. I mean, I'm surprised Disney has not started their own, you know, streaming service where they could just do whatever they want. Um because of that reason, because there's so much like little shorts that they they already do with Pixar and um they've got the Mickey Mouse shorts that are on YouTube. But um they do it's they do have a streaming service of sorts, but it's like it's like through an app where you get on Roku. I don't really know. It's not important to this conversation. Okay. Um, but uh, going back to what you were saying about the Han Solo film, we do have some news about that. And it's uh, that in the Han Solo film, we're not only going to see Han Solo become the galaxy's best smuggler, but we're going to see how he meets Chewbacca. We're going to see how he gets the Millennium Falcon, which we kind of already know that he won in a game of Sabacc with Lando Calrissian. Yes. But, but that's technically al- not canon anymore. Yes. And there's also talk about we'll get to see the Kessel Run. Yes. I don't know about that, though. Because, see, because it's – okay. First of all, if he he just gets this ship – and then he manages, after not having the ship very long, not being an expert, not not being one with the ship, as it were, towards the end of episode seven, you know, how how he's a part of the ship, essentially, and the ship is a part of him. Like, I just think that's pushing it. I don't need to see the castle run. Like, leave it in lore. Yeah, I think this is going to be more about him becoming the great smuggler that he is. And if they were going to do the Kessel run, just like you were saying... I'd like to see him get the ship like early in the movie and that way, you know, you can spend a lot of the movie with him developing that love and that one-on-one with the ship and then it would make sense at the end of the movie or even the second movie him doing the Kessel run. Yes, I'm okay with that. And if they do it right, they can do it and do it well, which I I mean, Force Awakens yeah, I understand why they did what they did in terms of 
making everything like a callback to the original trilogy because it had been what 30 40 years since the original trilogy and they and they wanted to bring Star Wars fans back in and say we're going to take care of this we're going to honor it the way it should be honored and then we got Rogue One which was a phenomenal you know new lore new movie that had very few callbacks to the original trilogy but it still did so i think that you know with this they're going to go okay first movie fan service second movie now we're going to get into the original material I can see that. And I also thought that episode seven, I've talked to a lot of people who have kids Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, okay. I try to get my kids to watch the original trilogy. And the thing is they're very eighties. They're, Oh yeah. You know, but the kids are genuinely excited about the episode seven. Like it's, it's, it's new. It's got modern filmmaking, modern techniques, modern, technology and it it has opened up a new realm of fan which i don't think anybody thinks is a bad thing no i don't i mean you could argue that when clone wars was airing and that was coming off the that horrendous prequel trilogy you know we were developing new fans but me as like a diehard star wars fan i'm like those are the wrong kind of fans those are the fans that don't like the the uh, the old trilogy, the, the original trilogy, you know, because everything's about the clone troopers and and how badass Yoda is. And it's like motherfucker. I remember when Yoda was an old old fucking man, did not have a lightsaber. You he, he was very mysterious, and that was the Yoda I grew up with, not this badass jumping around flinging lightsabers Yoda. Well, and also. Let's discuss, like, Yoda's supposed to be, like, what, 900 years old? Yeah, right around there. So you're telling me in 30 years he went from bouncing all over the place to being geriatric? Yeah. That's one three hundredth of his life? Yeah, it it doesn't fly with me either, you know? And it's like, okay, one could argue, oh, well... You know, he was using the force a lot more frequently and, you know, and he was using that to help him be all badass and everything. Yeah. But you know what? When it's he was George training, Lucas being an asshat is what it is. It is. You know, we used to refer to him as Uncle George. Now he's Uncle Bad Touch George because he, <laughs> he wronged us. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm done with Star Wars. Move on. OK. All right. So um, let's let's throw it over to Stephen King. Bring it at, still in the 80s, but bringing it back uh did you watch the it trailer i did in fact after you included this on the show notes i was like ah oh, crap i probably have to go watch this <laughs> yes well i mean how could we not talk about the it trailer it is literally all the internet is talking about right now <laughs> um to be perfectly honest i think this clown is scarier than tim curry's yes i i'm I, I showed okay, my aunt Paula is the most diehard Stephen King fan ever. I mean, she was upset about the stuff that they're doing with Dark Tower because it's not accurate to the books. She saw this trailer and was like, This is like almost a hundred percent accurate and how it should have been. Oh man, that's intense. Yes. 
And I, when I saw that, I was like, all right, done, sold. I cannot wait for this movie to come out. Plus, you got the kid from Stranger Things in it, and we already know he's a great actor. That's him? Yes, the kid with the glasses. That's the kid oh. from Stranger Things. The the main kid? The one who's in love with Eleven? Yes. Oh, I totally didn't realize that. Yeah, now you're going to go and, back and watch it, and you're going to be like, yes, there he is. So is this... I'm assuming this it is just focusing on them as kids and not doing the adult thing like the 80s movie did. Yeah, from what I, from what we've seen and everything that we've heard, it's just focusing on them as kids and it's not going to do that flashback flash forward thing. Okay, I think that's Are they going to deal with them doing it as adults in like it too or are they just ignoring that part of everything, which I'm fine with. I don't know. I mean, we don't know really anything. They're playing this very close to the chest. I mean, the only thing we got, even before a teaser trailer or anything, was just a photo of um, the new Pennywise. And then we started getting a little bit of a teaser only when South by Southwest happened. And now that we have the full trailer, it is frightening. And it is good. And I don't think... I, I mean, I hope they're not setting this up like we're going to do a sequel. I hope it's just a one-off film with them dealing with it as kids. Well, you know that's not how Hollywood works. <laughs> I know. You know, it, call it wishful thinking. Yeah, right? Pretty much. Um, no, I am excited about it. I I think the only thing... Gosh, the only thing better than a Stephen King book... Might be a Stephen King audiobook. Really? Okay. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. Uh, what, what's your reasoning? Um, well, first, audiobooks have just come so far in production value since, you know, they were invented um, that you usually have very decent character actors and. I'm sorry, do you have, like, police action going on outside of your house? I've heard alarms and now a megaphone. No, it wasn't a megaphone. It was my dogs going crazy. Oh. So you might want to edit that out. I don't know. Uh, oh, no, we'll leave it in. It'll, it's good It's good stuff. Oh, phenomenal. No, um, the audiobooks have just come so far that normally the voice actors are doing such a good job with different voices for different characters. Mm-hmm. And Will Patton does a lot of Stephen King's books. And he's phenomenal. Um, and it's just, they're great. So that's all I have to say about that. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about the Dresden Files on the show or in person. I have. Um, I listened to the audiobook versions of those books because the entire book is done like there's 17 books out right now and every single audiobook of those books has been done by James Marsters who was Spike in Buffy and you want to talk about an amazing character actor listening to those books I can't even tell that half the characters aren't James Marsters well I mean that's I, I take that back I said that wrong I can't even tell that half the characters are James Marsters because he's that good. Oh, that's awesome. 
And he he's actually a fan of the books after just from doing the audiobook versions, he really got into them. And you can see like the voices progress and get better and better and better with each book. As a matter of fact, he was not able to record the um the the audiobook for Ghost Story. They had uh um uh Donald Glover. Not not the Donald Glover that's gonna be Lando Calarissian, the different Donald Glover. Um he recorded Ghost Story, and James Marsters was like, mm, we need to go back and fix that. And they just released uh, James Marsters doing Ghost Story for the Dresden Files, and it's phenomenal. Okay. But, Interesting. I'll have to check that out. But we're going to jump around here because speaking of James Marsters, the Buffy 20th anniversary cast reunion photo, how, yes. amaz- how amazing was that? It was good. I enjoyed catching up with all my uh, old Buffy homies. Um, don't know why they invited Don. Really? Yeah, Don sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of of the pin- the opinion, and maybe this is just lighting and makeup, but it looks like they could go back and start filming and pick up right where they left off. This might be the wonders of plastic surgery as well, but it doesn't look like any of them have really changed. That is makeup. Um, no, I, I, and I'm not saying this to be mean. I ran into Sarah Michelle Geller at a con oh, just, last year. Just casually name dropping. Yes, I actually had two seconds and I said... Pardon me. Thank you for being awesome. And she looked at me and she said, oh, thank you for being kind. And we went about our day. And I was just like, okay, I've spoken to Buffy. I'm leaving my wife and I'm going to marry her. (laughs) No. And I'm not saying this to be rude or sexist. She did not look like a teenager. And that's fine because she's in her 40s. Right. Yeah. It's okay to grow up. She looked like a super attractive woman of her age. Maybe she looked 10 years younger than her age, but still. I don't think that anybody on the cast could go back and play those characters in high school. Probably except for David Boreanaz, because I don't know what that dude's routine is, but he just looks phenomenal. That man does not age. Well, it's called uh, playing an FBI agent for the last 10 years. You know, you can't. Okay, he looked older on this last season of Bones than he did in those photos. So, um, props to EW's Entertainment Weekly's Photoshop people. Like, nice job, guys. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know. My whole thing was I, I just recently went back and started rewatching Buffy because 20th anniversary, you know, you gotta. Why and, not? And going back and rewatching this because uh, I watched it when it was on TV. It was like my aunt and I's thing. We'd get together and watch Buffy. Going back yeah. and rewatching it, I don't buy them as high school students. In the original episodes, I'm like, you are far too old to be a high school student. Because they were all in their twenties when they when they did this. Yes, and well, have you noticed how 
bad of a person Xander is. Oh, totally. He's so shallow. And, I mean, even in real life, he's not a great person. Oh, well, that I disagree with. I actually think he's he's doing a lot to fight depression and anxiety. And he's, I think he's, because he was in a bad place, you know, four or five years ago. And he's really turned his life around. Um, okay, I hadn't seen that part. I had only seen the Dr. Phil interview where... He was questioned about his alcoholism, and he got up and walked out of the show. That's because he was an alcoholic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, but just Xander on the show is – and don't get me wrong. I think he is an amazing portrayal of an accurate high school boy. Oh, yeah, especially a a high school boy in the 90s. But high school boys are horrible people. And I know because I was one. <laughs> yes, I was one. I've interacted with them since, and I can tell you they are all horrible people. <laughs> yeah, and you you know what? I'm I'm just looking. I'm looking at the uh, cast photo right now, um, and I'm realizing that Giles is not there. Yes, there was there was a thing about Anthony Stewart Head not being there. And he's wonderful. Uh, anything Anthony Stewart Head does, I try to see. Have you seen Merlin? I have seen Merlin. He is Uther Pendragon. I, I totally talk about a great actor. Okay, because usually when I see uh, actors that have done like long stints on a TV show as the same character, I get it in my mind that that's them. You know, okay, oh that's Giles, or you know, oh that's Han Solo, or whatever. When I saw Merlin, my first thought was, oh, that's Giles. But by the end of that episode, I'm like, no, that's Uther. And he is a fantastic actor. I, it, I mean, but I think all Brits are fantastic actors. I think you, <laughs> that's like that's like people relate British people with bad teeth. It's like I relate British people with good acting. <laughs> oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. No, um, I was you... going more David Tennant, John Barrowman. But John Barrowman's Scottish. Yes. If you want a really amazing Anthony Stewart head TV show, give me two seconds. I apologize. I believe it is called The Invisibles. And it was a six-episode BBC show. Not BBC America. uh, BBC. Yes, it's called The Invisibles. Um, six episodes. He plays a retired cat burglar that comes out of retirement, and he is so phenomenally funny. Okay, I, I'm definitely going to watch that. As, as actually, as we speak, I'm looking on Netflix to see if it's available. But let me say that premise of like the old retired, you know, cat burglar, spy, whatever coming out of retirement to do that job again. That has got to be one of my favorite movie television tropes ever, because it is always, always good. I mean, look at red, look at, um, Oh God, there was, uh, a movie that came out not too long ago. I think it had Michael Caine in it where he was an old, uh, jewelry thief and he came out of retirement, joined up with his old crew and they went and knocked over a couple of jewelry stores. Yeah. And real quick, 
Tony Head has been doing a lot of stuff. He was in a bunch of TV shows for the BBC, a couple for sci-fi, and where he's actually done a lot, it's just we don't get a lot of these shows over here. Oh, yeah, and which is a shame. But, yeah. But the internet is a thing that exists, and thank God for that. So true. Um he was on he was in a remake of Romeo and Juliet called Still Starcrossed. It's a TV series. Is it currently running? And it's a It's supposed to be released this year. I have no idea if it's being released in the United States, but he plays Lord Capulet. So that's cool. Hell yeah. All right, so there there you go folks. That's your recommendation of the week. Uh, the new star, or what do you call it? The it's called Still Starcrossed, and essentially it takes place right where Romeo and Juliet ends. Okay, so Still Starcrossed, and then of course The Invisibles, which unfortunately is not on Netflix. But I know that fans of the Average Geek Show are nerd overlords. You're an intrepid bunch. You will find a way. Yes, you will find a way. <laughs> so, uh, so let's. Dude. Let's oh, uh, go ahead. let's keep it here with uh, some Joss Whedon stuff. Uh, I was totally blown away because I was writing show notes as this happened. I went back and looked at my news sources, and all of a sudden, up pops Joss Whedon in the running to direct standalone Batgirl movie. Blew my mind because I thought he had said he was done with superheroes. He had other projects he wanted to work on, but. This will be amazing, because if anybody can write strong female characters, it's Joss Whedon. He does have a talent for writing good good characters, and particularly good female characters. Absolutely. But I want to say what's more telling about this is, no matter how much crap I give DC for making horrible movies... um. Yawn of Justice. <laughs> um, but Marvel has been doing superhero movies for 10 years and we still can't get a female-led superhero movie. And DC already has two in the queue. Yeah, but uh, Marvel has a few in the queue as well. We've got Captain Marvel coming out. And they're talking about uh, doing a Black Widow movie. Yeah, but it's... I get it, but they're still a little too far behind the times. Like, Oh, I, I agree. Like, there should have been a Black Widow movie four years ago. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think it was still, the, you know... I, I've said this before outside of on-air conversations, but... I think the studios are afraid of doing a female-led superhero movie because they think it's going to flop. Because well, they, they think that superheroes is a boys' game. And that needs to change. And, and I think they're slowly catching on and starting to change. Well, and here's the thing. You've got Disney doing Frozen and Moana like str- brave strong female 
characters that are no longer the damsels in distress. You have, you know, they're no longer the Sleeping Beauties and the Snow Whites that are just sleeping, waiting for their prince to arrive. They're these strong, powerful princesses. And then let's look at the success of Force Awakens and Rogue One. If you have a good story and you put your power behind that story, the main character really doesn't matter. That, and you know what? That's absolutely true. And, you know, one of the things that, since you brought up Force Awakens, one of the things that pissed me off more than anything was that how people kept referring to Ray as a Mary Sue. And I hate that term, Mary Sue. Because I have friends, and I'm fully willing to admit that my friends suck sometimes, but I have friends that are, you know, He-Man woman haters. And those are also the friends that are still single and have not been with a woman at all. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I hate the term Mary Sue because it, to me it's a misogynist term of diminishing a female character. And I think that's incredibly wrong. Well, and I'm sorry. Like, I thought Ray was a badass character and I didn't really think... I didn't really think anything other than, okay, she's the protagonist of this story. Yeah. Oh, and they're saying that they're saying that she's a Mary Sue because she can use the force without any training. And she uses the force to get her out of situations that, you know, she wouldn't otherwise be able to get out of. And it's like, that's not a Mary Sue. That's telling me that she's probably the chosen one and can use the force without any training because she's just that powerful. Well, that and if you look at where she is as compared to Luke, Luke was very resistant to the Force, and that's what caused him to have such a hard time with training. She is very accepting. She's very looking forward to it. She's very like, okay, this is a part of me now. And so she is having an easier time wielding it in this Humble Geek's opinion. Getting back to Joss Whedon and Batgirl. <laughs> you really uh, just don't want to talk about Star Wars anymore. <laughs> nah, no, no, not especially. We've, 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 uh, uh, we've hit that. People, people aren't here for a Star Wars podcast. They're here for an average geek podcast. Oh, um, touche. I, I, I do think Joss Whedon is going to do a decent job. Um, And I think the story, if he puts it together well and the studio doesn't get too involved, it's going to be good. Uh, But once you start getting too many chefs and once, you know, if he has to start bending to studio pressure, you're going to get Alien Resurrection. You're going to get what happens when a frog gets struck by lightning. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think that's one of the great things about Joss Whedon, though, is because he has a backbone when it comes to studios. And he will say... I'm not doing that. You can find yourself another director. I I agree and disagree because um, Age of Ultron. Oh, come on. But, Age of Ultron was decent. Um, Let's just say sure to, to move forward with the conversation. <laughs> okay. uh, but, but what I'm saying is if you have getting to back to female-led characters – if you go into it 
half-assedly if you don't put the marketing behind it that you would a traditional male-led film, if you don't put the talent behind it that you would, you know, if you put all your C-team writers and editors and, you know, directors behind a female-led film, you're going to get a C-team movie. Whereas if you put your, your best guys, your A guys and gals, behind a movie you're going to get a work yeah i i completely agree with that um that being said the wonder woman the the wonder woman movie that is coming out i'm not hopeful for because i haven't heard of any of the crew before i mean maybe the director maybe but I don't think they're putting their best foot forward with it. Um, I think it was kind of hap- well with all of DC's movies so far. They've kind of been just thrown together because Zack Snyder, um, <laughs> and I, I think that's why they suck. If you look, and this has been discussed before on the podcast, if you look at the way Marvel did things, they sat down, they planned everything out, and they took the time to set up the characters before doing an Avengers movie. You know, even though we may have already known those characters, but they took the time, they set it up, they established a universe, and then move forward. This, they're like, uh, we're going to use Man of Steel as our universe establisher, and Man of Steel was crap. So you're going to get crap after that. Well, that's because DC right now is trying to play catch up. Yeah. Um, B, they're trying to duplicate the success of the Dark Knight trilogy, which is not what people want from their everyday comic book movies. Those were an artistic standalone piece that I don't think you can compare. No, you you and, really can't. And that, and I think Christopher Nolan is is probably one of my favorite directors. Because of the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception, but he—if you look, okay, let's let's look at the Dark Knight trilogy. You had Batman Begins. That you had the the classic origin story that took the time to go through and explain the origins of Batman and how he became Batman. And then the next movie used that as a jumping off point, and you got more of a true Dark Knight. And then, of course, the third film felt like a nice conclusion yes they dc should have taken that as an idea and gone okay this is how we need to build this universe but they didn't they were just like uh go well and and the big thing is you there's no character development yeah and the thing is like I don't want Aquaman's origin story because it's unnecessary. I don't need the Flash's origin story because it's unnecessary. Like, Wonder Woman's origin story, unnecessary. Because I know, okay, bunch of superheroes get together, fight evil. Boom. Done. We're good. Now show me how they interact and how that's enticing. And Which is why the new Spider-Man movie is going to be freaking great, because they're not even bothering with an origin story. No, because it's been done to death, just like Batman's origin story. Yeah, guess what, Batman? Your parents died. We get it. Your mom's name is Martha. 
Superman's mom's name is Martha. That is not an accurate plot point. Oh my god, that's so lame. And did you okay, so there's a meme going around that shows uh Aquaman going up to Batman and he's like, I want to be in the Justice League. And Batman's like, Why should we let you in? And Aquaman goes, My mom's name is Aqua Martha. Yeah, <laughs> I see that. But see, that's not too far from the truth because as we all know, Batman's father's name, Bruce Wayne's father's name was Thomas Wayne. Aquaman's father's name is Thomas. Oh, dude, if they even mention that shit, I'm going to I might walk out of the theater. I, I don't even I, yeah, I'm the same all, way. I'm like, that's presuming I go see this in the theater. Oh, no, no, no. This is definitely a red box rent or possibly a pirate for me. <laughs> But, I mean, I, I, even if it's, like, a tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, my father's name is Thomas, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek joke, and I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> you, well, The fact that you went there is a no. <laughs> and there's rumors that Justice League is going to come in at 170 minutes. For those that can't do the math, that is 10 minutes shy of three hours. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, Zack Snyder refuted that. He's like, um, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, IMDb is not – we don't show our movies to IMDb as part of our policy. And so, I no. I mean, but if you think about it, though, if if we're doing a Justice League movie with real no real establishment because we haven't had much of one, it would make sense for it to be a three-hour movie. But still, I mean, even Lord of the Rings, when it was released in theaters, was not three hours. It was two and a half, but not three. Yes. So, I don't know. I just think DC DC just needs to bring me on board. <laughs> right? Yeah, we should start a Hire Kenny campaign. Yes, and you know who would be perfect to get involved with on that? Somebody who actually works for Warner Brothers Television. Oh, yeah, we do have a friend that does that. Yes, we do. Speaking <laughs> of which, you should totally check out the Nerd Out app. It shows you local, <laughs> cool, geeky events in your area. Yes, the Nerd Out app is pretty freaking fantastic if you haven't downloaded it. Download it today and tell my friend L that you got that from me. And me. <laughs> so you mentioned um, Spider-Man and the Homecoming movie. That's Spider-Man, the- Spider-Man. Does whatever a spider can. Um, so, I'm now hearing that Sony's getting a little jealous, and they may pull the rights to Spider-Man after the Homecoming sequel. That's fine. They're stupid. Seriously. I mean, it's like, okay, you don't like money? That's cool. No. We, we live in a free country, and people are allowed to be as stupid as they want to be, and I am allowed to call them on it. Uh, now, here's the thing. With all the hype and goodwill that they're going to get from Spider-Man, Homecoming, and then whatever the sequel is, they could probably make more money because they won't have to split it with anybody from doing a third or fourth movie on their own. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think... Okay, they're not really having to put much money into production for these uh, Spider-Man movies that are tied with act or with Marvel. Oh yeah, 
and they're getting a cut of the profits. It's it's free money. And I think yes. I think when when I see things like this, it's all ego that's in play. It's like, well, you guys are making a fantastic Spider-Man movie and we couldn't do that. So we're we're going to pout and just take away the rights and we're going to make another Spider-Man. Well, keeping in mind that this was taken from an article where the person quoted no longer works for Sony. So, I mean, yeah, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, that, that takes a whole truck full of salt. But still, I mean, you know, I mean, knowing Hollywood like we do, you know that this is probably a legitimate thing. Uh, I mean, when companies come together, it there's a lot of like bickering that has to be done. I mean, to be honest, seeing something like Spider-Man Homecoming and seeing Spider-Man in the MCU is we haven't seen anything like it since Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's true. And that was Disney and Warner Brothers coming together to make a really amazing movie. And those, if you, if you read up on how that movie happened, there was so much nitpicking that it got to the point where a Disney character had to be the last one seen but a Warner Brothers character got the last word, which is why Porky Pig says, that's all, folks, disappears, and then Tinkerbell shows up and brings up the credits. Uh, so, like, the fact that Sony and... The fact that they pulled off this deal to begin with is amazing, and we should oh, just yeah. be thankful. Oh, believe if me, we, I am. And if we only get two Spider-Man movies... Just let's all be thankful about that. But Sony might be kicking itself if they can't make something work in the future. Well, you know, it, it's I, I think when I first saw this, I'm like, oh, we're only getting two Spider-Man movies and it already looks so great. And I really loved Spider-Man in uh, Captain America Civil War. But when you think about it, we're actually getting four appearances of Spider-Man in the Marvel or the in the MCU. Because we've already had the Civil War. We're getting Spider-Man Homecoming. He's going to be in Infinity War. That's already been announced. And he's already been filming. And then we're going to get a Homecoming sequel. So that's four movies. If you really look at it. Yes. So, I mean, I guess I could be happy with four movies. As a backpedal here. But... (laughs) But... I still want more. I mean, I believe that Spider-Man is a Marvel property. We should be able to keep him in the MCU. Yeah, I would I would like to see that. I'm I am curious as to I would like to actually see the contracts and see when if at all Spider-Man does revert back to Marvel or if Sony has his rights into perpetuity. And here's where the lawyer comes out. I know, right? That's that's kind of what I do. Uh, Don't hold it against me, folks. Anyways, anyways. Well, you're the best kind of lawyer. Come on, you're a nerdy lawyer. I am a nerdy lawyer. I'm a lawyer who nerds. There you I'm go. I'm a nerd who lawyers. Um, you're like Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. 
<laughs> nice, nice reference there, bro. Sorry. Um, and then, I mean, then we have Captain America. We've got Chris Evans saying, okay, at first he didn't want to do any more Marvel movies. Now he's saying it's up in the air. Like, no, well, he's not saying it's up in the air. He's saying flat out, I'm looking at you, Marvel. That's the decisions in your hands. You know, that, that to me is like, all right, if you don't renew my contract and give me more money, I'm going to send the nerds after you. Okay. Like, but here's my thing. I, I'm kind of done with Chris Evans as Captain America. What? I need, I need him to die um, for the sake of a story, and then Falcon takes over. But see, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I like Chris Mackey. I like... You know, I like the Falcon. His portrayal of the Falcon is fantastic. I don't know that he'd make a good Captain America, though. I mean, yes, in the comics, it was great when Falcon became Cap. That made a, that made sense. I mean, Bucky was Cap for a time. But I don't know that he has the acting chops to carry a movie by himself. I mean, they haven't made a standalone Falcon movie. This is true. And I mean, he he feels very um, and forgive the term, but he feels very corny in his parts, which is fine because it fits. But I don't know that I could take a whole movie of corn. Um. Okay, I can tend to agree, but also I'm like he wouldn't be the same Captain America, and I think that's the point. Like, there's... Cap is very black and white. And I think that having some of that gray area is important in a story these days. So, Chris Mackey, Cap, go for it. I'm not saying I wouldn't see it. I mean, I'll see it, but I reserve the right not to like it. Yeah, also, I need someone to die in a Marvel movie. Like, someone meaningful to die. Okay, well, can... I mean, we have the Netflix series. I mean, there are plenty of people that died in the Netflix series. No. No. <laughs> like, 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 someone should have died in Civil War. Wait, 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 like, wait, wait, wait. We need to go back to Age of Ultron here, because Quicksilver died. Oh, pfft. you're in one movie, bro. <laughs> like, no, like, hashtag don't care. Oh, um, I had no time to develop an emotional bond to Quicksilver. Now had Iron Man died. No, no, you take that back. Or had had like. Somebody else died. I don't know. Like, someone who's been in numerous movies. Like, for example, like, I could have understood Tony's motivations a little bit more in Civil War had Vision accidentally killed War Machine. Yeah. I mean, I it, it would have made sense for War Machine to be killed. I mean, even though he and Iron Man are, like, some of my favorite characters if not all-time favorite characters i I mean okay it it would have made sense if you have to do the 
oh, it just grazed me, now I'm paralyzed trope. Like, it's it makes better sense for the story to kill people, which Joss Whedon's really good at. He likes killing people. <laughs> it's, that or, old, it's that old joke, you know, Joss Whedon, George R. R. Martin walk into a bar and everybody you've ever loved dies. Pretty much. Like, I wouldn't even mind, give George R. R. Martin a licensing fee and just be like, George, pick one character. Now write their you know You you pick who dies. <laughs> and then have him write it. And it'll take, you know, him eight years to come up with it. Oh! <laughs> oh, sick George R. R. Martin burn! Oh, yeah! So, alright. I, I gotta talk about Guardians of the Galaxy real quick. Because we are... Like, just a little over a month away from seeing Volume 2. And I just found out that Sylvester Stallone is going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Kurt Russell. It's obviously been a while since you've looked at the IMDb page. It, You know, I typically don't go to IMDb unless it's like, hey, who is that actor that I just saw for two seconds on the screen? I know him from somewhere. I mean, that, that's what IMDb is for me. Um, but, and you know, and it's entirely possible that we've covered this on the show before, but um, I was reading this and I was reading what people think he's going to be. And I just had this thought pop into my head of, oh my God, Sylvester Stallone would be the perfect Richard Ryder. Nova. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, look at... Now, this is going to be a terrible reference, but go with me. Look at Judge Dredd. Okay, in that movie, that is essentially the Nova costume. Because he is the law. He is the law. I'm not talking about the acting. Forget the acting. I'm Just the costume alone. <laughs> that is a perfect Nova costume. Some subtle changes are, are needed, but still... I could totally see Sylvester Stallone as an old, grizzled Richard Ryder, as Nova, protector of the galaxy, coming in and like having some sparring mat- verbal sparring match with Ego and Star-Lord. And, oh my god, that would be so amazing. And then they've already announced that Sylvester Stallone and um, Kurt Russell will be coming back for her future Marvel movie. They just haven't said which one. And, okay. And I think it would be awesome if Sylvester Stallone had a role in Infinity War. Now, if you're talking about killing somebody off, that would be the perfect opportunity. Okay, get to know him, get to get an, an emotional attachment to him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Kill him off in Infinity War. Okay. And then you have his son re- assume the role of Nova, like he did in the comics. See, if, in my humble opinion, if one of the original Avengers doesn't die in Infinity War, it's not really worth it. Well, we're going to just have to agree to disagree, sir. Like, what are the stakes if everyone is safe? I don't like it. It's like, okay, perfect example. How dare you argue logic with me? I know, right? Perfect example was the death of Superman in Batman v Superman. Spoiler alert, he dies. 
Spoiler alert, he comes back in Justice League. I know, right? It made no sense because at the end of the movie, I'm like, um, but he's in Justice League. Which the death was meaningless because I know he comes back. Whereas if they kill him in Justice League and nobody's leaked how many more movies he's signed up for, perfect. Like then his death means something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I saw that as kind of like a nod um, to uh, the Nicolas Cage version of Superman that Tim Burton was supposedly directing, written (laughs) by Kevin Smith. Superman. Yes, I saw that as like a little nod of like this is a version of Superman we didn't get, but we were supposed to get. Um, But for me, it really didn't make sense. No, it doesn't. His death made absolutely zero sense. Now, I uh we we got to get away from this DC talk. We got to get away from it. That's um, fine. Let's talk about the Green Power Ranger. Hey. <laughs> so, um apparently the new Power Rangers movie is actually good. Which... Yeah, eat crow. Eat crow, Brian. Eat crow. I haven't seen it yet. I may still hate it, but Eat crow, Brian. So, but what I find funny is because I've said this about Jason David Frank before. Um, I don't know if you've ever interviewed him. He seems like a guest that you would have on because he's all about like fitness and nerdiness. Um, <laughs> but everything that I've seen of Jason David Frank, he is a huge tool bag. He has definitely made a living out of one character. Yes. And he has made a career out of the green slash white ranger. Yeah. And well, it wasn't he the red ranger t- temporarily. And I, I don't know. I don't care that much yeah. anymore about power rangers. He, he came in during mighty Morphin and became the green ranger that then went into a, became evil and then became good again and was the white ranger. And now in the latest iterations, by the way, if people didn't know, like, there is some iteration of Power Rangers still being, pr- like, put on on TV. Oh, I think they're on, like, their 75th incarnation of Power Rangers. Yeah. And Jason David Frank is still a part of it. Um, <laughs> except now he's the, like, Zordon Mr. Miyagi character. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he got kicked out of the Power Rangers premiere because he wanted to get a video of the crowd reacting to his cameo in the Power Rangers movie. And And first of all, like, I get it. You, you obviously want to share this with your fans and you want, yeah, I get it. Second security. Come on, man. Like the guy explained the situation and they were still like, no, give us your phone or we'll kick you out. And he's like, I'm not giving you my phone. So then they kicked him out. But like, oy vey, just oy vey. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I can see where both sides are right and I can see where both sides are wrong. But yeah, but I mean, it's like, you know, if it was such a huge issue, just show them what you were doing. Just show them the video that you took. Yeah. And, and and it probably would have cleared everything up and just been like, look, I know you think I'm, you know, filming the movie. I'm not here. Let me show you. Um, and, uh, you know, and have it be done. Uh, but, you know, 
I think that this goes back to him just being a tool bag of like, no, I'm going to dig my heels in and no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so, uh, it could have been handled better, but I think this is just par for the course of Jason David Frank, <laughs> you know, just being Jason David Frank. Well, you know, he's, he's got to keep a living somehow. Um, so yeah, uh, JDF doing your thing, man. You, you keep recording people who love you because part of me feels that's the only validation you get. And I just want to be like, you're still awesome. Okay, JDF, you are awesome. You don't need a video of fans freaking out about how awesome you are because your awesomeness comes from within. Aww. That's for you, JDF. That's for you specifically. All right. So one last thing here before we uh, we wrap things up for the day. Uh, I am incredibly shocked by this announcement, and it makes me want to scream. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is set to play. Whoa. You having a dog fight over there? You okay? This is what happens when we dog sit my grandmother-in-law's chihuahua. Ah. So, um, well, this fits in perfectly with our topic because you could probably use his help. Uh, Robert, Duny- Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. is set to play Dr. Doolittle, and the movie is slated for release May 24th of 2019. What? Was Eddie Murphy busy? That's exactly my point. It's like, I don't think Eddie Murphy was busy, and also, I don't want to see RDJ go down the Eddie Murphy path. No. Yeah, it's it's when great R-rated actors try to do family-friendly crap, um, things go downhill. Although, if Robert Downey Jr. plays Dr. Doolittle as Tony Stark, where he just is really condescending and rude to all the animals, like, that's kind of brilliant. <laughs> yes, I that I would actually watch that. That would that would be fantastic. <laughs> so oh, RDJ. So I'm I mean I'm gonna keep my ear to the floor for this and and just you know if he needs to abort I'm gonna send him a message because I'd like to think that I have that kind of power and be like this is wrong for your career RDJ you should not do this. I think he has enough money. I don't think anything is wrong for his career at this point. <laughs> right? I mean, he's going to be living off of, like, uh, Iron Man royalties for the rest of his life. Pretty much. Pretty much. So. All right, Kenny. Well, I think we're going to wrap up this episode of The Average Geek Show. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, where can we find you, Kenny? What's your social media? Oh, thank you. Oh, first, thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful, wonderful time. You all can find me at dumbbellsanddragons.com or on any social media at dumbbellsdragons. That includes Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, you know, the usual Twitch. I don't really Twitch a lot, though. Um, Not so since yeah. we laid off the cocaine. I know, right? <laughs> my, my main socials are Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook, and then... You can get a new episode of the podcast every Wednesday and then a new blog article every Monday and Thursday. Excellent. Excellent. 
All right, folks. Well, think that is going to be it for this week's episode of The Average Geek Show. As always, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Average Geek Show Official. Join the discussion over there. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, even though we're not really there that much, at, at Average Geek Show. Uh, you can head over to Instagram and follow us over there. Average Geek Show is the name. And as always, I have been Brian. I have been Kenny. And we'll see you guys next time on The Average Geek Show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.